Charles, you can go ahead and change that slide. All right, let's turn our Bibles to the book of Daniel in chapter number 2. The book of Daniel in chapter number 2, and you remember last week we uh, began this series on living faithfully in troubled times. And we talked about Daniel chapter number 1, and we're going to continue that. Um, we're going to continue that study today as we look at Daniel chapter number 2. And I told you I didn't know how far it was going to go. I didn't know if it was going to go. I know for sure we're going to talk about Daniel and Lion's Den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a flaming furnace. But before we get there, we come across Daniel chapter number 2. And so today our message is going to be living in faith of God's sovereignty. So I'm sure most of us have watched a movie before. And if I ask you about watching a movie, what might be your favorite thing? about watching a movie. For me, I love the twists and the turns of the plot. I love to attempt to figure out, well, where's this movie going to end? And how are we going to get to this ending? I can remember watching a movie one time, and I don't remember the name of it, um, but there was a police officer, and he was, they were out to get him, and maybe his daughter answered the door, and they were waiting for her, and they shot her, at the front door, and I can, uh, he was there, had his, you know, he wrapped her in his arms, and then later seen, they show him in the bathroom, and he's washing his hands from the blood of his daughter, and, and they just, the, they, they, they zero in on the sink, and you see the blood and the water swirling and going down the drain, and I remember saying, well, I wonder how that's going to play into the movie later, and somebody said, Quit trying to figure it out. Just watch and enjoy the movie. But that's what I enjoy about movies is trying to figure out what the plot is and what's going to come next. And we all know that a screenwriter or an author of a book has a plot to their story. No doubt in the story there's going to be a conflict and a resolution. There's also probably tucked somewhere in there is going to be a plot twist. And part of the, the enjoyment of a movie or a book is to try to figure out the plot and the storyline. And so, you know, even in a Hallmark movie, right, we all know how a Hallmark movie is going to end, right? They're going to kiss at the end and they're going to get married. And it's kind of a running joke around our house, you know, about, you know, what's going to happen. They're going to kiss and live happily ever after. But I still enjoy watching those with Kim because... I still like to try to figure out, well, how's the author going to get us to the end? That we know it's coming, but how are they going to get us there? So, so that's the great thing about, you know, movies and stories and so forth. But, you know, as we think about life, and again, living faithfully in life, do you ever try to figure those things out in your life? Where is the story of your life headed? You know, is your life a mystery? <laughs> You don't want your life to be a mystery. You, you want to know the rhyme and the reason to the events of your life. You, you want to know that your life has meaning and purpose. You want to know that your life is going somewhere. So how are we going to know that? And one way to know the, the, that your life has rhyme and reason, that your life is going 
somewhere is to understand the big picture of the Bible, the big picture of what God is doing in this world. Then you can see how your life fits into that plan. So, so we do want to understand and keep in mind that God has a plan for this world. And the plan is revealed to us in the Scripture. And that plan that God has the world is called His meta-narrative. The meta-narrative of what God is doing. And so that's one of the things that's important for us to learn is the meta-narrative, the overarching story of all that God is doing in this world. And then see how our lives fit into that. But the first thing we need to learn about the meta-narrative is that there is one and that there is a God who is behind that meta-narrative and that He is sovereign over this world. This world is His. He didn't create this world without a plan. This world has a future, and we know what that future is because He has revealed it to us in His Word. And so, one of the places where we find that out is in the book of Daniel. As a matter of fact, God reveals much of His plot of what He's doing in this world in the book of Daniel. And so today... Uh, we're going to study the book of Daniel, see the sovereignty of God, and our understanding of this truth in the book of Daniel will help us live faithfully in troubled times because we know that God is sovereign in this world. We're just going to read one verse to begin, but we're going to look at all of Daniel chapter number 2. Daniel chapter number 2 and verse number 1 it says, And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep break from him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, Lord, and, and we just thank you for opening your uh, plot to us. You tell us what you're doing in this world. And we thank you, God, that we know that this is your world. And we know that you have a plan for this world. And we pray that you'll help us to see how we fit into it. But God, we're always thankful for the climax of the story, the climax of Jesus Christ and Him crucified on the cross. We just thank you for that truth and the hope that we have because of that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to read a little bit more. We'll go all the way down to verse number 13. And the first point we're going to look at is Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Verse 2, Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If you will not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, you shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. But if you show the dream and the interpretation thereof, you shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honors. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. And they answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation of it. The king answered and said, I know of a certainty that you would gain the time because you see the thing has gone from me. 
But if you will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you, for you have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me till the time be changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me the interpretation thereof. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asks such things at any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. And it is a rare thing that the king requireth, and there is none other that can show it before the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this cause the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. So here we have Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And remember, Nebuchadnezzar is the ruthless king. And he's the king of, he's the greatest world power. He's the king of Babylon and it's the greatest world power at the time. And he has just came and defeated Jerusalem. And Daniel and his friends were among the ta- captives that were taken into Babylon at the fall of Jerusalem. And if you remember, they, they rise to this place of importance because of their, uh, what they determined in Daniel chapter number 1. But we'll not go back into that too much. But let's just kind of remember where we're at. So they're among the wise people, the, 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 uh, the, the magicians and so forth. They're among the wise people in Babylon, Daniel and his friends. And Nebuchadnezzar has this request. He says, I've had this dream, and I want you to tell me what the dream is. And then tell me the interpretation of that dream. And the wise men come back and say, hey, there's not a man upon the earth that can do this. There's no one that can tell you what the dream is. They were like, you tell us what the dream is and then we'll tell the interpretation. And the king says, no, because then I know you'll just make something up. But you tell me what the dream is and then I'll make the interpretation of it. Or then you can make the interpretation of it. But the wise men, they could not do it. And they, again, they said, there is not a man upon the earth that can do this. That's it in verse number 10. There's not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. And you know what? They are exactly right. There is not a man upon the earth that can do that. There's not a man that can interpret the king's dreams. But there's a man who's not on earth. There's a God who sits in heaven who can interpret the king's dreams. And that's exactly what happened. And so we know that that the king wants to destroy all the wise men. He's going to kill them all. But Daniel, it tells us in verse number 14, Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay, slay the wise men of Babylon. And he answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. So Daniel has a game plan. Daniel's like, wait a minute, you're going to wipe us all out? You know know, that includes me and I don't want to lose my life. And he he asks Arioch, he says, why is the king so hasty in this decision? And, And of course Arioch tells him and Daniel goes and he goes to the king. And I just want to pause and think about that for just a minute. Again, remember, Daniel is a young man, probably by this time, you know, somewhere between 15 and 18 years old. And he's going to go into the most powerful man in the world at the time. And he's going to say, now, king, just be patient. I know you want to wipe us all out, but just be patient. I'm going to to tell you your dream. 
And I'm going to tell you the interpretation thereof. Just, just be patient. Can you, can you imagine what it must have been like for Daniel to go into that king? But what does he do? It tells us. Daniel went and he called his friends. In verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would seek, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So Daniel called his friends together. You know, that's an important thing. Daniel called his friends together. You know, living faithfully in troubled times requires friends. It's going to be easier with the help of friends. As the old saying goes, no man is an island. You can't walk through this world alone. And I know there are many people who want to walk through this world alone and they think they don't need anyone else. But let's remember, there's a reason why God established the church through Jesus Christ. There's a reason why He did that. One of the most important things besides uh, the preaching of the Word that goes on inside the church, one of the most important things is the fellowship that you find within the church. And there's lots of people who think today that they can go out on their own and they don't need to come to church. They don't need to fellowship the church. They don't need what the church offers. They don't need to fellowship in song uh, with one another. But we want to understand that God designed a plan. And God's designed a plan was for today for it to be in His church. And He called Christians to be in the church. As a matter of fact, if you go to the New Testament and look for, for Christians who were not part of the church, they didn't exist. Every Christian was active in the church. And the reason why that is, as you are attempting to live faithfully in these troubled times, one of the most important things you need is a church family to help you. You need the work together with others. And Daniel knew the value of friends. And he knew that a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And so Daniel went and got his friends. And one of the things that you need to realize if you're going to live faithful in these troubling times, is you need to realize the importance of the church. And think about the things that you're missing. Think, you know, there's some people that even say, well, I can, you know, I'm going to watch it at home. Well, there's some things that you don't get if you watch it at home. You don't get to fellowship. You don't, you're not a part of the singing and on all of that. There's, there's so many things that you miss out on by not being here in person. And Daniel knew the value of having friends. And we see that first and foremost here in uh, his game plan was to call his friends and his friends together so they could attack this problem. And then notice they seek the mercies of God concerning this secret. They desired not to perish with uh, the rest of the wise men in Babylon. It tells us in verse number 18, but they desired the mercies of God. So they prayed that they would be delivered from evil. It, remember, that's part of the Lord's prayer, right? Part of the model prayer. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil one. One of the things that you can pray for when you're living faithfully in troubled times is you can pray that God would deliver you from evil. Deliver you from the evil one. 
we can pray that God would protect us from the evil that is coming in this world. And we need to realize this world is not getting better. This world is not going to be a better place. Evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. The thoughts and intents of men's heart are going to grow farther away from God. So it's going to be more evil out there in this world. And so it should be on our hearts to pray that God would protect us from evil. And that's exactly what Daniel and his friends did. And they prayed that God would reveal this secret to them. And we find in verse number 18 that that's exactly what God did. Verse 19, Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. So the secret was revealed to him. And what did Daniel do? He immediately blessed the God of heaven. He had a heart of thanksgiving. What is Daniel's heart of thanksgiving for? He's thankful that God revealed to him his sovereignty. That God is in control of the affairs of this earth. And that God has a plan for this earth. He has a plot for this earth. There is something that God is doing in this world. And God revealed that to Daniel. And all of us need to know that. Living faithfully in troubled times will be strengthened by an understanding of the sovereignty of God. And you might ask the question, what is the sovereignty of God? Let me read for you the definition of the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God means that as ruler of the universe, God is free and has the right to do whatever He wants. He is not bound or limited by the dictates of His created beings, Further, he is in complete control over everything that happens here on earth. And so D Daniel was thankful to God that God had given him this understanding that God was in control of the affairs of this earth. And if you're going to live faithfully in troubled times, it, your, your live, ability to live faithfully will be strengthened by your understanding that this is his world, he's ruler of this universe, and he does not have to answer to any of his created beings. He doesn't have to answer to man. Man does not have, he doesn't even have to give an answer for his existence. In the beginning, he said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We don't have to say, we don't have to try to prove God's existence. And someone comes to us and say, well, you can't prove God exists. All you got to do is say, look outside. R.C. Sproul says when somebody uh, asks him to prove the existence of God, he says, give me your shoe. And he said, and he says, if you look at the shoe, and the shoe proves to you that there's a maker. And the shoe proves that there is something material. And so that material thing had to get here somehow, and it didn't come out of nothing. Just your shoe proves to you that there's a God. And there's more to that than, than that illustration. But, but we don't have to prove that God exists. God exists. And so our understanding of who God is... Um, helps us in, live faithfully in these troubled times. And then we can understand that God is the one writing the story of this world. God has decreed whatsoever comes to pass. If it comes to pass, you know that God decreed it. And God's decrees were established before He spoke this world into existence. God set the meta-narrative of what He's doing in this world before He spake and light appeared. 
So Daniel is blessing the God of heaven because God has revealed that to him. And he begins in blessing the God of heaven when he blesses the name of God. He says, verse 20, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. He blesses the name of God forever and ever because wisdom and might are His, it says in verse number 20. And then he says, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and setteth up kings. He gives wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. Daniel knows who God is. And Daniel's knowledge and understanding of God aided him in this time of trouble. You see, Daniel knew that God was in control of this world. And so when he faced a, a, a situation that he thought he couldn't handle, when he, when he faced a situation that the other wise men in the world said, there's no way that that can be answered, Daniel's understanding of who God is helped him in his time of trouble. So what's that tell us? That tells us the more you know God, the more strength you can have in times of trouble. And the less you know God, the less strength you're going to have in time of trouble. Again, that's another reason why you ought to be in God's house. That's why you ought to be in God's Word. Is because as you increase in your understanding of your knowledge of God, it's going to strengthen your faith in the times of trouble. And so that's why it's important for us to know God. And if you're going to live faithfully in troubled times, you need to have a greater knowledge of God instead of a lesser knowledge of God because your knowledge of God strengthens your walk. And so Daniel is blessing God because of God's sovereignty. He changes the times and the seasons. Now let's just pause there for just a second. He changes the times and the seasons. If the seasons change, they change because God changes them. You know, we have this big push in our world today. Oh, global warming, global warming, global warming. No, God changes the seasons. There's no such thing as global warming apart from God's hand. God's the one that changes the times. God's the one that changes the seasons. He sets up kings. We have elections coming up soon. God's going to set them up and God's going to take them down. He's going to give us exactly who we deserve. And if you think about what's going on in our world today, we probably know what kind of leader we're going to get. If when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. And if we're living faithfully after God, we should expect a righteous leader. But if we look out in our society and we see unrighteousness, then we ought to know who... He's going to get elected, somebody unrighteous probably. But anyway, that's beside the point. I don't want to dwell there too much. Notice it says also, He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. And, verse 22, He revealeth the deep and secret things. God knows the dark secrets that's in this world it says, and the light dwelleth in him. You see, the wisdom of this world, the, men, the kings of this world, they think they're devising a plan. As a matter of fact, Moby read that in Psalm 2 today, right? The kings of this world think they're devising the, their plans and the decisions they're making in the dark. They think they're in the dark. But, but God can reveal those secrets. 
Listen, there are, there are no leaders in this world that can supersede the plan of God because God is light. And so Daniel, notice verse 23. I thank thee and praise thee, O God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might and has made known unto me now what we desired of thee, for thou hast made known unto us the king's matter. Daniel's game plan was to seek the God who is God, who knows and ordains all things, and he sought God through prayers. And God, Daniel knows that God revealed to him what he desired. And so now, Daniel walks by faith in the plan of God. You know, just think about this. What, and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but God's going to reveal to Daniel his plan for this world. He's going to reveal to Daniel about Nebuchadnezzar, and he's going to reveal to Daniel about uh, the Medo-Persian Empire. And then he's going to reveal to Daniel about the Greek Empire. And then he's going to reveal to Daniel about the Roman Empire. He's going to tell the history of the world to Daniel. And Daniel's going to tell that to Nebuchadnezzar. It's amazing the, the, uh, the clarity and the, the truthfulness of what Daniel revealed and how it uh, matches perfectly with world history. Not all of it has been revealed yet, which we'll see as we get down to the ten toes. Um, but anyway, of, of, of Nebuchadnezzar's image, but Daniel has been given a prediction, a prophecy of the world history. And so Daniel, what's he do then? Since he's been, uh, he's been given this Dream and the interpretation thereof. Daniel walks in faith in the plan of God. Verse 24. Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought Daniel in before the king in haste and said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which, uh, which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king? Can you imagine, again, let's, let's put ourselves in Daniel's place. Daniel's already appeared to the king of Babylon once, but he's going to be called back into the king, and the king wants to kill him. The king wants all the wise men dead. And Daniel's going to walk in and say, King, I've got it. I've got your dream, and I've got the interpretation thereof. Now think, the king has not revealed it to anyone. How much faith does it take for Daniel to walk into the presence of the most powerful man in the world and say, I know what you dreamed on your bed? Daniel had to have faith. But was Daniel's faith in himself or was Daniel's faith in God? Daniel's faith was in God. And so his confidence was that he could reveal what the wise men of Babylon said no man could reveal. Daniel's confidence was in the Lord of heaven and earth. And so for us, 
Living faithfully in troubled times will require faith in the Lord of heaven and earth. And what will our faith be in? Our faith will be in that He is going to do what He said He's going to do. Believing what He has revealed to us about the future, He is going to do what He said He's going to do. This is a place where theology matters. What you think the Bible teaches, it's important. Because you're going to come against troubling times. You're going to come against times where the world looks like it's in chaos. And you might even begin to think, I just don't know what's going on in this world. I don't know where to turn. I don't know who to believe. Look at the decisions they're making in Washington. Look what Putin's doing in Russia. Look at the war in Ukraine. Look at Hamas coming against Israel and Hezbollah now in the north coming down against Israel. And look what's going on in Iran, how they're supplying all of these and all of this stuff's going on. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to believe. Where am I going to turn? And your life can be filled with anxiety because you don't know what God's doing. You don't know what the Bible teaches about all of that, so you don't understand. There is rhyme and reason to all of that, what God is doing. There's rhyme and reason how God is going to bring about His plan that He's already told us in His Word. And we know what God says, and we can believe it. And so that's why you need to be where we learn what the Bible teaches us, so we can have confidence in what God is doing. It's why theology matters. It's why learning what the Scripture teaches matters. Because if you're going to be able to live faithfully in troubled times, you need to know what the Bible says. And just like Daniel believes in what God has said, you can believe in what God says too. Daniel gives credit to God, verse 27. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to King Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and thy visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. And so Daniel gives credit to God. You know, he could have went in there and said, Hey, king, I got it. I can tell you what that dream is and Daniel could have attempted to make himself big in the eyes of the king of Babylon Daniel could have been raised to a place of great honor if he had taken it upon himself to say I got it figured out I can tell you what it is but Daniel doesn't do that notice what he says it is the God of heaven there is a God in heaven that revealed the secret it was him that made known uh, what Nebuchadnezzar has dreamed upon his bed. And so Daniel gives the glory to God. I love that phrase when he says, there is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven. At the beginning of verse 28, Daniel knows what a truth. There is a God who has a plan. There is a God who reveals secrets. There is a God who's going to show us what's going to happen in the latter days. There is a God, and He's the sovereign of this universe. What a truth for us all to know. And if we're going to live faithfully in troubled times, we're going to live faithfully in that God who is in the heavens, the one that makes known what's going to, be, what's going to happen in the latter days. It's in that God that we have faith. And if you're going to live faithfully in troubled times, you have to have faith in God. God reveals secrets because there are no secrets to Him. He has foreordained plans 
the things that He has already decreed are the things that are going to come to pass. And God is going to reveal to Nebuchadnezzar what's going to happen in the latter days. Living faithfully in troubled times will remember God's sovereignty and will give Him glory for what He's doing in this world. So Daniel goes on, and it's really verses 29 through 44. Daniel's going to reveal Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. Let's just read it. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed, what should come to pass hereafter? And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thine heart. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and arms of silver, his belly and thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet a part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till a, till a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. Floors, and the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the, interpret- this is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold." And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces, and subdueth all things. And as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it the... Um, of the strength of iron, for as much as I saw the iron mixed with miry clay, and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Hmm. A lot of reading there, but, but Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of a great image. And he described the image there, the head of gold. Daniel tells him, Nebuchadnezzar, you're that head of gold. Then you get the chest of silver, that's the Medo-Persian Empire. The belly and thighs of brass, brass, that's the Greek empire of Alexander the Great. The legs of iron is the Roman empire, and the Roman empire was divided just like the legs were. You know, you had two different eastern and western empires of the Roman empire, and the feet of iron and clay were not there yet in history. Um, Traditionally, that has been received to be the revived Roman empire, and there's lots of reasons that we could talk about that. The ten toes mixed of iron and clay or the beast that we, with ten horns that we find later in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation and, and the mixture is a mixture of the power of men and the power of the beast and all of that. And we're not going into all of that today, but that's what Nebuchadnezzar saw. He saw 
this image and Daniel says this is what's going to be and this is the future that is in this world and we notice right now that has not been completed. But the most important thing to see is that there's going to come a stone made without hands. This is the most important thing. It's the most important part of the dream because this reveals the coming kingdom of Christ. This stone which was cut out without men's hands is going to come and, and, and destroy all the other kingdoms. That's the kingdom of Jesus that's coming. That's when Jesus is going to come and sit upon the throne of David. And the kingdom of Jesus Christ is going to come overcome all of the kingdoms of this world. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of God. That's still yet coming in the future. Listen. Living in troubled times will be by those. You're going to live faithfully because you're committed to the coming kingdom of Jesus. Because it says in verse 35, it says that this, this great mountain, it filled the whole earth. And if you read in verse number 44, it says, And this kingdom shall stand forever. That's what we're living for. We're living for and looking forward to the time when Jesus comes as King of kings and Lord of lords and reigns upon this earth. That's the stone that's, that's cut out of the mountain that was not made with hands. That's the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And He's going to rule and reign on this earth forever. That's what we're looking forward to. So the interpretation, Daniel says in verse 36, the God of heaven has given the kingdom to Nebuchadnezzar. He says, Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head of gold. And I want you to understand, Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head of gold because God has given you this kingdom. You see, it wasn't Nebuchadnezzar's might or strength that gave him dominion in this world. It was God who gave him dominion. God gave all the kingdoms of this world, verse 38 says, Whithersoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven, hath he given into thine hands, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Nebuchadnezzar, you're in the position you're in because God gave it to you. Now this is a lesson that every person in authority needs to understand whether it's the person that's in charge of the greatest kingdom in this world today, or the man that's just in any authority. If you're in any position of authority, understand you're there because God has given it to you. We can't acquire any of these things on our own. It's, it's not uh, Nebuchadnezzar's military strength. It's not Nebuchadnezzar's wisdom that he became this great king. He became the great king because God set him in that position. Another thing for us to understand is, again, the powers that be are ordained of God. But listen, we fight for significance in this world. And we want everyone to say, look at us and look at our skills and look at my ability, and work, look at my work ethic that gave me this job or gave me this bank account. And look all of this hard work and <clears throat> look what I've gained. Listen, you didn't get anything in this world apart from God. God gave it all to you. 
The only reason you have anything is because God has chosen to give it to you. And the sooner you learn that, the better off you'll be. Because this is His world. And your skills and your ability, yes, they are necessary. But someone with equal skills and equal ability and equal work ethic may not prosper as good as you do. It's because God has chosen to allow you to prosper in that way. So we all need to understand that. And living faithfully in troubled times, we will understand that there can be no power except from God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And your entire worldview <coughs> will be framed by what you think about the powers that be. The powers that are in this world today, are they ordained of God or not? Is God in control of Putin's heart? Is God in control of Ukraine? Can God squash Hamas in an instant? Can God, is God in control of all of the powers that be? You know, our government sometimes likes to think how great they are. They're only great because God has given them power. And God could say, I'm done with you. We could be wiped out. So our entire worldview will be framed about what we think about God's power to set up kings and to take them down. And about our thoughts about the coming kingdom. What's the most important? The kingdoms of this world or the kingdom that is to come? We should all be living with the thoughts of the kingdom that is to come. This stone that's cut out of the mountain, made without hands, is going to break all the kingdoms of this world apart. And he tells, Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar, the dream is certain and the interpretation is sure. So living faithfully in this world will be as we look at the coming kingdom of Jesus Christ and think that the coming kingdom of Jesus Christ is what we should be living for, not the kingdoms that are in this world. (coughs) Nebuchadnezzar comes to an understanding in verses 46 and 47. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and a sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of lords and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Nebuchadnezzar came to an understanding about Daniel's God. Your God is a God of God and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets. So living faithfully in troubled times, will require us to live with a knowledge of the future and an understanding of who God is, that He is a God of God and the Lord of kings. Present today are the kingdoms of men. Coming is the kingdom of the Lord of lords and the God of gods and the King of kings. And when this kingdom comes, His kingdom will be an eternal kingdom. And so we need to live faithfully in troubled times by understanding that God, He's got a plot. He's got a story. He's got a meta-narrative of what He's doing in this world. (coughs) 
He established His decrees before this world began. And we need to believe that. We need to understand also that God has placed His church in this world to proclaim that coming kingdom. We are to proclaim the sovereignty of God over this world. We are to proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah King. And we are to, uh, to point others to that kingdom. We are to show them the path to the kingdom is through receiving Jesus Christ as Lord. He is the only way into that kingdom. Narrow is the way that leads to the kingdom of heaven. The entrance to the kingdom is through the door of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. <coughs> and the only way to walk through that door is through repentance of faith, repenting of your sins, and putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the one that saves you from sin. And that way you'll be included in the kingdom. But God has a story. Do you know it? Do you believe the sovereignty of God? Do you believe that God is working in this world to accomplish His purposes, that one day He's going to come and sit upon the throne of David forever and ever? That's what God is doing. And if you're going to live faithfully in troubled times, you need to allow the sovereignty of God to support you in your walk with Him. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day, the opportunity we have to look into Your Word and learn. And I pray, God, that You will Increase our faith. And God, if there's one here that's not in that kingdom yet, <clears throat> we pray that they'll see the only way to get into that kingdom is through repentance and faith and following Jesus Christ. Just thank you for the hope that we have in your word. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.